Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome once again to In Transition, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and thank you very much for joining us once again this week. Today, we are going to update the content communication research project that we are undertaking with the Australian National University with our lead researcher, Ying Yi. But before we come to that, as we start the program each week, we look at the definition of just exactly what it is that we're talking about. So content communication is a strategic, measurable and accountable business process that relies on the creation, curation and distribution of useful, relevant and consistent content. The purpose is to engage and inform a specific audience in order to achieve a desired citizen and or stakeholder action. So that is it. That is content communication. And I have to say that over the last few weeks and months, uh, Content Group has been hit with this massive growth surge because we are finally starting to see government agencies understanding that the great gift of technology as it relates to communication is that they can now be in the publishing business. The factors of media production and distribution have been democratised. So to each and every one of you who is listening out there today, you are now in the publishing business, whether you like it or not. So the issue is then how do we make the most of this great gift? And this is what content communication is about. It's about being able to put together the component pieces of a strategic communication planning process, add that to this great capability that we can now have of creating useful, relevant and consistent content, and then being able to wrap it all together in a in accountable framework that manages the various key elements of the, of the uh, project or program, be it from understanding the benefits realisation very early in the process. So what are the benefits that we're seeking to create and how are we going to measure whether or not we can achieve those benefits? What are the, the governance structures that we need to put around our content communication program? Because we are spending taxpayers' money, so we have to be accountable. So our governance has to be absolutely right so as that we can understand and navigate the complex elements of public sector and government uh, areas, which we know um, are ever-present in, in everything we do each day. Then there's the various elements of understanding um, why are we doing these projects? What are our objectives? Who is the audience? And then what types of content are we going to use? Through which channels, online and offline, and ultimately how are we going to measure the impact that we're having? And importantly also for all of those of us working in um, the public and uh, government sector, it's about managing risk, identifying those risks and on those risk registers, and then understanding, well, what pieces of our content communication program can help us to manage those larger risks, which are ever-present and things that we, from a governance point of view, need to identify and, and engage with. So to my guest today, Ying Yi is our lead researcher at the Australian National University. And about, oh, it might've been about eight or nine months ago, we were very fortunate that the National Innovation uh, and Science Agenda identified this problem that small businesses and their engagement with university was a very, very weak part of the Australian innovation system. And so we were fortunate enough to apply for and receive 
Innovations Connection uh, funding, which required us, Content Group, to provide 100,000 Australian dollars. And in return, the Australian government would give us $100,000 plus a, uh, a subsidy for a, a graduate, which we're yet to appoint at this point in time. But all of that money rolled up that then has to go and be spent back at the university. So the, the change basically was that we were a small business with a problem that we needed solved. And so rather than from where it traditionally been, where universities and academics are solving the problems that they think are important, the academics are actually solving the problems that we think are important. So that was the purpose of this Innovation Connections grant. And we are well and truly into that. Um, part of our methodology that we have developed over time um, really needed some evidence-based and needed some toolkits put in place. And that's what we're starting to do at the moment. But another part of the process is we've actually engaged 20 plus governments from local, state, federal, and a multilateral all around the world to actually test and validate and question um, our approach as to whether or not we are on the right track or on, um, not on the right track. And I know that we will speak to Ying Yi today about some of the research that, uh, sorry, the feedback that she's been getting from those participating governments from around the world. So we'll come to that in a moment. But first of all, Ying Yi, welcome to In Transition. Thank you, David. <laughs> it's That's nice to be back. <laughs> Um, that's a long introduction and I notice you sort of nodding your head, but it's a, it's a pretty simple story to follow really, isn't it? Is it what the problem we're trying to solve is government communicating effectively with citizens and stakeholders in order that they will behave in a particular way such that the government can achieve whatever particular objective it may have. So I think at its heart, it's, it's quite a simple thing, um, and the other, probably the upside of it, is that it's a global problem. You know, the WPP research has really told us that what we're dealing with um, is a global problem. The fact that um, communication isn't valued, uh, it's all one way, uh, the skills of the practitioners are not where they need to be, there is very little two-way communication, very little listening, and measurement and evaluation is largely absent um, from many communication programs. So perhaps if we might just go back to your first engagement and just to summarise your views as to what you saw when, when we engaged with you and, and what you felt the problem was that you were going to be solving. So uh, before I jump into that, yeah. maybe just uh, a quick overview about the objective of the entire research project. Yep. So what we are trying to address, the problem we are trying to address here is the communication problem in the government sector, which is a complex problem problem. But before, uh, so in order for us to address uh, or resolve a complex problem, I always believe it, the easy way to do it is, is to first simplify the situation. So then it's allow us to narrow uh, the whole complex problem down to a smaller, um, uh, more focusable uh, situation we are dealing with. So the objective here for this research project pretty much is to develop a toolkit, a framework evidence toolkit that can help the government, uh, can that that can help the a practitioner or government agency manage content communication in the public sector in a more structured way. So that's the ultimate goal for this entire research project, which is very simple and tangible. So at the end of the day, we will have a toolkit that will outline the entire process, step-by-step -step process, and that will allow uh, the industry practitioner to follow the entire uh, practice or manage the entire process in a structured way. So we start with the journey with an investigation 
investigation into content, content groups, uh, communication approach, and then methodology. And we try to understand how this is managed uh, in industry and the content groups framework and uh, approach were developed uh, over many years of experience. So what we are also trying to do here is to incorporate the latest research from the latest uh, literature from multiple disciplines so we try to build some evidence and also credibility into content groups uh, approach and also uh, framework. Are you saying it lacked credibility before? Yeah, <laughs> I did not deny. <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm only joking. <laughs> okay, so that that's what we are trying. That's the starting point of yeah. the whole journey. So we look at the industry practice, and we also uh, look at the uh, best practice uh, proposed by multiple researchers. Because interestingly, as we put this methodology over the years, strategic yeah. planning, strategic communications planning practice. Mm-hmm is as old as the hills. You know, it's been there forever. And essentially what we've done though over time is really just to find different pieces, be it from project management or benefits realisation or risk management and nailed them on into the area that we actually thought was the appropriate area. Now, it was a bit ramshackle, a little bit higgledy-piggledy, but you seem to be smoothing some of those edges out. I think structure is the key here. So basically, we have all those tools and concepts available uh, in industry, in research area, but it's just like, I think what I, the way I see it is lacking a structured way to link everything together. Yeah. And I think that's the value this toolkit will add. So we incorporate the uh, project management uh, methodology or framework to link everything together, to yeah. look at uh, everything in a more structured way. So uh, we start, we, we incorporate the practice and research into a structured framework. And what we have done in the past uh, one month or so is that we start to select the feedbacks, as you mentioned at the very beginning of the uh, conversation. We start to talk to uh, different advisory group members from different government agencies. We want to make sure the framework, the draft framework we come up with right now is aligned with the industry practice. And then we so we try to conduct interviews with different uh, representatives from different uh, government agencies. And I think the feedback we have received so far has been very positive. And they all believe the framework we come up with is comprehensive. It's covered the best practice. and they But they also point out some area that we may enhance or improve in terms of the uh, resource or some challenge they face in, uh, in their uh, daily job, which around the measurement communication goal. I think that's the big thing we need to continue to address in the framework, which is the communication goal. So how we are going to measure that, how we are going to define that, that's one thing we are going to continue to work on in the toolkit. The second part comes with the evaluation. So after you set a goal and then you implement the strategy to trying to communicate or achieve the goal, at the end, how are you going to determine whether the goal has been achieved or not? So overall, we have received some assurance. So in terms of uh, the framework itself, the feedback has been positive. Positive, and I think it's captured the uh, over comprehensive view of the content communication, and we just need to add additional uh, uh, elements to make it more uh, practical or like more comprehensive too. It's my understanding also that some of the feedback though is that oh this is so big this is you know it's too much you know I'm on a hamster wheel at work I have the minister's office calling. I would not be able to do this because there is too much detail. And I think I like that element of it being challenging because this is all about transforming 
the practice within government of communication that it does need more rigour and that's what we want to introduce, which is different to what people, as I say, they're on the hamster wheel, they're so, everyone's busy and they're producing lots of stuff and they're sending lots of stuff out and they're creating lots of assets, but perhaps they're not being quite as strategic as they need to be and don't have the credibility to push back and say, well, hang on, that's not part of the plan. We're following this plan that we haven't actually developed because we haven't had time because we've been too busy. So just maybe explain to me perhaps some of that um, resistance that, that there may have been about, oh, this is all too much. No, I think it's understandable because each time when a new concept or new technology comes around, there will always be a bit of a learning curve. Like you need to get your head around the new mythology. But over time, once you get to understand the concept and also the benefit it will deliver, over time you, you will find it's easier to follow. Yeah, yeah, so I think the first thing, the, the one of the reasons behind this kind of question might be uh, because of the learning curve comes with that. So I think we probably need to deal with that uh, training and also uh, get to know the framework a bit uh, better. The second thing I also want to emphasize here is that when we develop the toolkit, we aim for comprehensive process. But I also understand different communication projects is all the communication projects are different. So some will focus on more like a daily communication and some communication will focus more on strategic level, more important strategic level. So the framework here is comprehensive, but that does not necessarily mean that you have to follow every single step like rigorously for the entire project. Instead, I believe it allows you, the framework, the comprehensive uh, framework and toolkit actually provide you the flexibility to draw something you need. And then out of the toolkit available to you, you can just pick some of the toolkit or the concept that is relevant to the project you are managing. And for some less complex project, then you may follow the framework in principle, but you may loosen up some of the step. And so I think the framework actually gives you the flexibility to tailor uh, the framework to your project, and then you can just use some part of the framework for for the need of your project. So how then do people learn to make choices about what's in and what's out or what can be left in or, or left out? I think that what comes with the uh, case study. So the framework we come up with will be generic, but in the uh, in the toolkit, we also aim to provide some case study that demonstrate how different uh, toolkits or how the framework can be tailored to different type of project. So that's what we are trying to do next okay. as well. Yeah. So to, to get the case study so people can learn from what other people have done and how they've gone about yes, applying it. Yes, and how part some of the uh, concept are apply in uh, that particular context this way. So it can uh, incorporate some kind of contextual variable into our uh, framework. Okay. Now, in, interestingly, um, in the meantime, while you're beavering away with our um, federal government funding grant to be able to do the primary research around the methodology, evidence-based methodology and the toolkits. We've also been fortunate enough in applying to the ACT government and been able to receive additional funding now to help us with the education components. So how do we teach the methodology so is that people that learning curve is accelerated and people are able to um, acquire the skills uh, and the practice as quickly as possible so they can get about um, developing their sort of rigorous um, programs. What's your view on what that might look like in terms of education? How are people going to learn to be able to 
develop and apply content communication programs? So I think the way I picture it in my mind, because I'm teaching project management, so that's yeah. my background. So I think the way I see it, this framework or toolkit we develop can be used to uh, guide the structure of a particular course. So that means for each of the, uh, it can be divided into individual topic in the entire uh, a course for the semester long course, it can be divided into different topic. For each of the topic that uh, the lecturer can first give some introduction to the theoretical concept behind the toolkit we introduce and then allow student to apply what they have learned from course to one particular real life uh, communication project they select. And so over the uh, course of the semester, each week it, it will comes with different topic and different challenge and they always, they apply what they have learned to the same project over time. Right. So at the end of the day, they will be able to see how all those tools work together and then that lead to the final uh, complete project. And they will also be able to see the connection across yes. different concepts. Say, for example, if you are going to change your goal, of course that will affect your selection of communication channel. Yes. So if you are going to make some adjustment to your communication channel, of course you need to go back and see whether it's still well aligned with your goal. So that kind of approach, like a weekly uh, topic and then a semester-long uh, project application will allow them to see that kind of connection across different uh, projects and uh, topic. And I think that approach worked very well in right. the project management kind of uh, education. Yeah, because yeah. essentially it, it is that rigor and that discipline, yeah. isn't it, wrapping around yeah. the specific task of communication with citizens and stakeholders. So that's yeah. really what we're, we're trying to do here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also think individual topic cannot be treated as a standalone. In the communication world, everything are linked to each other. The yeah. goals are li- related to the communication strategy. The communication strategy are related to the target audience. And then the communication strategy and goal will affect how you are going to measure them. So everything will be interrelated to each other to some degree. Yeah. So I think when we talk about education, we cannot just treat individual topic as a standalone topic. Right. We need to figure out a way to allow students to at least understand that kind of interrelation in this kind of framework. What, what were some of the other um, feedback that you were getting from the advisory group? What were the other governments? Because they are at that local, state, federal, multilateral level. So is is a big group of them who are providing their input. What other things did they? I think two things actually comes to my mind. One is that communication, are, there are different type of communication in government. So one is more like a business as usual, daily communication. And if that's the case, I think only part of our toolkit can help uh, them with that kind of communication. But the other type of communication is more like a policy level strategy, uh, a communication about a particular government program and pro- uh, project. So I think those two different kind of communication in the government may require slightly different approach. But right. again, our framework will give them that kind of flexibility. If it's about daily communication, uh, the future uh, users of the toolkit can just focus on the step that related to the content communication production can focus on that aspect. But if it's a strategic level communication project, then you need to follow the entire process step by step. So I think the toolkit comes with that kind of uh, flexibility to address that. Another uh, comments or feedback I have received, actually it's something more like a observation or something. I feel like there seems a 
uh, a lack of coordination within the government. So I think different government agency and different level comes with their own communication team. But sometimes different communication team they are actually communicating with the same group of target audience. Say, for example, the service department may be communicating with the children or something like yeah. that. But there seems no structure coordination within the government. So they may be sending different piece of message to the same target group. And from the target audience point of view, I may be a bit overwhelmed if I continue to receive different piece of message like yeah. from different government agency. So I think this is another issue that we touch like briefly. That's a yeah, that's a structural uh, issue and there's you know again that lack of coordination and collaboration and discussion you know I could give you any number of examples where uh, not only um, inside different agencies where there's been a lack of but sort of outside as well where different departments have been coming at trying to explain the government's position on a particular but from four different areas and nobody's sat with each other to say well hang on it's one problem we're one government and we have a series of target audiences we need to talk to how can we work together with our own platforms in order to be able to make sure the message gets through. And that's actually remind me of one benefit. Uh, so I asked the participant, like an advisory group, about their the, their views around what would be the benefit uh, delivered. If they have this toolkit in their organization, what would be the benefit? And I think they mentioned something around credibility and also consistency. Yeah. So in that case, if they have a structure framework available, they can make sure different communication groups working in different government agency or even within the same team, they will feel, have that kind of confidence saying that we are all following the same approach or at least have some consistency across the uh, teams and across different communication strategy. And I think that's related to the coordination and also one benefit that this toolkit can deliver. Yeah, I, I tend to, well, I completely agree with you because ultimately, uh, I think it's a it's a methodology that can be applied at a local, state, federal, and multilateral level. Doesn't matter which government. It can be used for internal communications. It can be used for external communication. It can be used for policy development, service delivery, regulation enforcement, and education. So it does have a wide um, applicability. And we're wrestling with the sort of idea at the moment that it be perhaps made an open standard so as that we let everybody, um, wherever you are, just use the standard and we just let it out there. What, what's your view on whether a, something like this should be open or sh whether it should be closed or whether there should be partially open, partially closed? How would you go about solving that problem? Well, I'm kind of leaning toward opening the toolkit because I believe that, say, for example, this toolkit, even if we have the toolkit uh, ready by the end of this research project, I still believe the development of the toolkit is an ongoing process because yeah. the new technology and uh, the new definition of communication, all those things will be uh, changing over time. So I think the development of the toolkit is going to be an ongoing process. And individually, we only comes, we, we are constrained by our intellectual, like say, for example, knowledge or something. So I, I believe if we open it, it will give us better rooms for improvement for yeah. this particular toolkit. And it will also benefit a wider community 
because I think government communication is not is not the issue that can be resolved by one single company or one single party. So I think if we, if we open the mythology, then it will give the entire at least communication community. Uh, well, we can equip like a wider community with the appropriate tool to tackle uh, the challenge like all together. That's right. So that's my personal view on okay. this one. Another yeah. vote for open. Which I, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's interesting as a you know private sector organization developing open standards is you know in the sort of um industrial sort of mindset you know you don't do that you know you hold on to your ip and you lock everything down but our mission as a company is to help government strengthen communities and improve the well-being of citizens so consistent with our mission i think we are compelled um and required um, because ultimately we want to try to solve these problems because at the heart of effective communication i believe can be the rebuilding of trust and if we have the rebuilding of trust, we can probably perhaps bring a bit more stability back into the global political situation and therefore hopefully things can get a little bit calmer than they are at the moment. I think I like that because I think it comes with the social responsibility yeah. of a company. So I, I do like the idea of uh, opening up the toolkit and allow the entire society to actually benefit from this. Yeah, and as you yeah. said before, I think that idea of of people um, innovating on top of the standard and being able to yeah. find ways and practices uh, and technologies that could be incorporated because you know, we're now moving into this world time of, you know, um, machine learning, uh, deep learning, artificial intelligence, uh, and machines are going to have an increasingly important role to play in, our, in communication with citizens and stakeholders. And who knows where that's going to take us. So I'm interested um, also, I know the distinction was drawn to you between communication and engagement, that sense of one way and then engagement being that two-way, that listening piece. What was what, what insights can you give us about what the advisory group were telling you about engagement? So I think pretty much the general consensus here is that those two concepts are different. Uh, as ju- you just mentioned, and engagement emphasised more on the two-way, like interaction and then communication is more like a one-way. But I think the consensus here is that both of them goes... Uh, hand by hand. So that means you won't be able to engage the citizen without communicating with them. So I think in a way, communication is embedded in the engagement, but without communication, there's no way you can engage. So I think those two concepts need to be considered all together, but the emphasis will be slightly different. And again, you know, the the WPP research tells us that the the preponderance of um, government communication is about, okay, this is what we think. This is, and they're they're not in the habit of of listening, mm. uh, and therefore responding and understanding and building those um, deeper and clearer understandings of the needs of the citizens and the stakeholders. So it's it's a habit perhaps that needs to be developed and a skill that needs to be developed in government. I know the UK government are investing a lot of time and effort into listening because they believe that that's sort of the next era or the next part of innovation in government communication that will help them to be more effective. Yeah, I think that's actually, that comments remind me of uh, one frustration I observed during the interviews with the different government uh, advisory group. So I think the... 
The view here is that they believe communication needs to be brought earlier into the entire process. So yeah. I think the frustration here is sometimes they are engaged, the communication teams or communication will be engaged in the government policy or government initiating, uh, initiative too late in the process. Yeah. So at that time, there's really not much you can do from the communications point of view, and there's really not much benefit you can actually get from communication. So I think one consensus or frustration I have experienced during the interview is that they all hope that the communication can be engaged earlier in the process. So at this, you can use communication as a means to collect the input from uh, citizens and in a way that can help you shape the direction of the programs or policy to uh, more align with the need of the citizen. Yeah, and I think that is that one of the, the clear purposes of this particular piece of research is to be able to equip communicators yeah. with a process that is credible, that will show the leadership, that this is a well-thought-through, well-governed, well-organised way of adding value much earlier as opposed to the traditional role of communication in government, which is um, WPP refers to it as the, um, the car wash or I refer to it as the colouring in department, as in, you know, get us a brochure or organise us a media interview or... But not taking the strategic impact or the strategic value that communication or content communication can bring to the shaping of um, views and the understanding of, of citizens' views much earlier in, in, in the process. Mm. Yes, mm. yes. So um, where are we up to? How far through the process are you at the moment and when can people start to think that they might be able to have a look at this. Um. Okay, so uh, I think what we are doing, what pretty much we have finished the initial rounds of uh, feedback collection. And so what we are trying to do here is to incorporate all the feedback we have received and then we are moving into the writing process. So this research project will uh, finish in uh, mid of September. So we anticipate- Stage one. Stage one, yes. Stage one, because so, we've got we're going to have stage two. Yes, that's that's true. So at I think by the end of stage one, we will have a more mature like a, a toolkit like than the initial draft. So we will have like a pretty much draft uh, written like a document for associated with uh, the framework and approach. And we also anticipate to have some mini case around some of the step along the way, so we can demonstrate how certain step can be, uh, how certain uh, tools. Can can be uh, applied to certain contact. So by the time of mid of September, I think we will have that product ready. Mm -hmm. But as I mentioned uh, earlier, I anticipate the development of the toolkit is going to be an ongoing process. It's that at the, the end of the stage one will be will not be the end of the development of the toolkit. So over time, after. Uh, mid of September, we will continue to revise and then yeah. add additional polish. The, yes. Uh, yeah, the and toolkit. get more case studies. Yes. As people get more start case to apply yeah. um, the methodology, we'll we start will be able to see to, yes. yeah, and yeah. incorporate those. But it's, an, it, it's a good point you raise because mm. I think that we will never stop yes. um, iterating yes. around this because mm. technology will, will, uh, will change, attitudes will change, um, the attitudes of political leadership will change. Um, the attitudes of the leadership within the public service will change. And so it's, it really is that, you know, ambition to, is to build the capability, build the skills, um, build the familiarity, um, get the runs on the board because we know it works. 
You know, we've been using it now for a couple of years. We know it does get results, but it's then that matter and that continued and consistent commitment over time that we improve um, and get those inputs from all sorts of places, you know, because I know that it's, it is applicable at a local government, state government, federal government, um, multilateral, anywhere in the world. Yeah. It, it, is a, it is a method that will deliver great value to, to each of those governments. So... Um, thank you once again. No worries. Yeah, thank yeah. you very much oh, for your you. uh, hard work. Um, <laughs> uh, it's it's been great so far. Uh, you know, things things are working really well. Our partnership and collaboration with the Australian National yeah. University uh, has now been in place for a few years, and will long may it continue. I think there is so much that we can get um, as a private sector, a small private sector company, dedicated to this mission of helping government, um, but working with a, a major you know, global university like the Australian National University. And um, and I know some of the feedback that I've had just informally from people uh, and leaders of government communication around the world is that everyone's pretty excited that this could be something that is a, a, another another small step forward to us getting better at, at this communications caper. Can I just add one comment to that? Actually, I asked my research assistant the other uh, day about her feeling of uh, the involvement in the research project. And her comment is that uh, she enjoyed working on this and the reason being she can finally work on something that will be used in industries. <laughs> <laughs> so I also enjoyed the journey a lot because I can see the potential impact of oh, yeah. this research on industry and on the entire practice. It's different from my other theoretical research which will end up on a <laughs> journal no one will read and so. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's exciting times. Yeah. It is exciting times and uh, we're continuing to, to gather a coalition. So um, jump online uh, and register your interest in, in the uh, communication project. And um, thank you, Ying no Yi, for coming thank in you today. For the for, opportunity. For, no, it's yes. great fun. And uh, to you, the listener, thank you very much for joining us. Once again, great conversation. Um, very, very smart lady who's doing wonderful things for Content Group and indeed for global government communication. I think we're getting closer to something that's going to have a real impact and this notion of being an open standard that people can access and use I think is something that uh, makes great sense. So uh, we look forward to delivering that to all of you. And thanks again for giving us uh, a small part of your time this week. I know that it's your most valuable asset and the fact that you've been able to come over to our place and have a bit of a, a listen to our conversation this week. We do certainly appreciate it. So we'll be back next week, but bye for now. You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. For more, visit us at contentgroup.com.au.